Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Messy Table, an ordinary space where we can show up and remember that God is at work in our mess. So if we've never had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I have the honor of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which releases a brand new episode and a fresh perspective into your world and your speakers on the first Tuesday of each month, which is partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, and we are also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our back pockets for free, which is such a massive privilege that I never want to take for granted. And back with me today is a definite crowd favorite, my spicy friend and co-host, the Latanya Pratt. And you know what we love? Locking arms with real women with real faith in their real everyday places from all over who are simply willing to share a piece of their life. Because despite what we often see on social media, which is beautiful, but it's polished and filtered and there's always a backstory, we have all known mess. Some messes we've caused, some messes have found us when we're least expecting it. And we have all dealt with heartache and hard days and complexity and overwhelm in one form or another. But guys, there's power in sharing where we've been. And there's power in bringing our stories, both good and bad, into the light and surrendering them to a God who's always close, who never leaves, who's always trustworthy, who is more faithful than we can even dare to imagine. And we see that all over the Bible. When Job lost everything, when a woman was caught in adultery, When Joseph was betrayed by his people, when Mary was chosen for a huge but daunting task, those stories and even our stories can be a catalyst, not just to point back to ourselves, but to point straight to God. And that is just one reason why we're excited for you to meet our beautiful guest for today. Jamie Landers is a wife and mother of four who loves to share the hope she has with other women, whether that's in churches or in strip clubs, whether she's speaking or writing or having a one-on-one conversation over coffee. Jamie's the founder of a really cool ministry called No Strings Attached, a Tulsa-based nonprofit that builds relationships with dancers and those working in strip clubs in order to show them the real Jesus. And that's why her favorite message to preach is that you're never too far gone for Jesus. Y'all, Jamie is witty and straightforward. She's a misplaced Texan living in Tulsa, who, especially with a ministry background, never expected to find herself divorced and a single mom. And yet that is a chapter in the bigger story of her life. So I hope you can keep up with our rabbit trail conversations, because with LaTanya, Jamie, and myself, we are a bit all over the place, but I'm sure you understand. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at The Messy Table. Well, I'm so excited to have one of my best friends back today, LaTanya Brass. And we get to interview the amazing Jamie Landers. So welcome Thank to you. The Messy Table. Thank you. So pumped. In Oklahoma, and I think a lot of different places, it's been a little wild and crazy with snow days, ice days. You guys, I feel like yeah. we had Christmas break mm-hmm. that has continued yes. all the way through January. Oh, yeah. Have it's January been- 72nd. Um, our kids have been out of school. We haven't had a Monday in school in January, have we? Might have been I don't know. in school like three days. That's what it feels like. Yeah. But I actually like my kids being home. Like I like all yeah. of us in the same place because if my kids are home, that means Ken Vaughn is home too. And we hardly have time where all of us are. No, home. I secretly like it too. Most days. This past week, our hot water tank went out oh. and then it was still leaking. So we had to turn off the entire water. So we're like filling up the bathtub to like flush toilets. That's a whole nother level of That's amazing. appreciation. Yes. You just forget like dishes and washer and showers and drinking water. 
all the basic water is kind of a necessity, right? I just yeah. forget though. Yes, when it's there, the all toilet the time. would have been humbling. <laughs> Whole thing. That's a rough day. So, are you from Tulsa originally? I am a little oh offended. Oh my gosh, I remember now. <laughs> I'm a little offended. She's from Texas. I forgot. <laughs> Texas, USA. Yes. Oh, Texas, gosh. America. Oh, God. Yes, I am definitely from Texas, but I'm in Oklahoma. So LaTanya has introduced me to Jamie. How did you guys meet? Oh, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> she's just a very warm, fuzzy person. <laughs> I met her in the line at church taking Easter pictures. So I was talking to my sweet friend, Amanda Torres. We're having a good conversation. And she goes, oh my gosh, this is Jamie. She just got <laughs> married. And Jamie comes over. She's like, hey, you know, and she cuts us in this line to take pictures. Like Unintentionally. Allegedly. And so then Amanda goes, Jamie, you should be LaTanya. And Jamie like flips her hair. She's like, I did not flip my hair. Hey. I did not. We have a conflict of stories here. 100% flipped her hair. Hey. But then, (laughs) fast forward, we're in a small group together. And she's like, you know, it's just... It's so hard because I'm like the captain of the welcoming committee. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> not, not the welcoming committee. But I will say, like, once you get to know her, she is the captain of the welcoming committee. And most importantly, she and I really had a great time at the strip club. And so that's when I knew that I really liked her. <laughs> tell us more. Oh, should I tell you more? Or should I just let you make up your own story? Listen, I'm not the one making up stories here. <laughs> okay. Tell us a little bit about why you and I. We're at the strip club. Okay. And who you are. Okay. Well, <laughs> most importantly, that. <laughs> so my name's Shani. I'm from Texas. Really? Very proudly from Texas. Apparently. Yeah. It's <laughs> even in some of my email addresses. Oh, wait. Will you please tell them how proud you are of being in Texas about how when you're a baby, you wanted your oh. baby to be born? Yeah. Yeah. So my first two kids, I was living in Texas whenever I had them. So obviously they're born in Texas. So they're Texans for life. Yes. But all of my kids were born over Texas soil, even though I had my last two in Oklahoma. So I had a friend send me Texas dirt. So it was put under the hospital bed. Oh, you are hardcore. Oh, Deeply, deeply Texan. Okay, before we get into this whole conversation, can you tell me what is it about Texas that Texans are so proud of? I'll give you one example. Okay. Whenever you're going from the Oklahoma border and you cross over, do you feel the difference in the highway? I do. Okay, so it's like everything's just a little bit better. (laughs) Wow. Everything. The Mexican food, it's a little bit better. The barbecue, it's a little bit better. The landscaping, it's a little bit better. Mm. Like everything's just a notch above. And because of that, it's like when you have something to be proud of, people are proud of it. And then you have the camaraderie because people are proud of it. And then so then you're like part of a team. I don't know if I'm inspired or offended. A little bit of both. Listen, fair. Listen, I like Tulsa. I love Tulsa, but I, I love Texas. And we we know. I think you said it six yeah, times. Now, last. being from the Oklahoma City area, I'm sorry, Oklahoma City friends. I feel like Tulsa is a little bit better than I Oklahoma do too. City. Isn't that crazy? You know, it's lush. It has hills. It has a lot more greenery. It reminds me of a Christian Austin. You know, yes, that's what I say. I say I, it's like a conservative yes, Austin. Yes, I love Tulsa. Yeah. and I grew up in, like you said, Oklahoma City, the Edmond area, and I'm yeah. like, it's I just love more it. flat, red dirt over there. So, so anyway, yeah. Okay. Do you think you're better 
No. Ooh, good question. <laughs> good I don't question. listen. Everyone's welcome to come to the side. That's the difference. It's like you're welcome to okay. put on those cowboy. I literally like my Texas is so deep. I grew up in a place called Luling, Texas, on an oil field with cows. Mm-hmm. Like that's how Texan I am. True okay. story. Like cows would rub their backs on my windows at night and like to scratch their backs. Like that was my life growing up. Well, I appreciate you staying true to who you are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And getting that Texas dirt sent up here. Okay. So tell us more about you yeah. and about your life and why you and Latanya have gone to strip clubs together. Okay. So uh, I have four kids. That sounds like a lot when you say it out loud, but I do. I have four kids <laughs> and it is a lot. It There's a no lot. sound to it. Like, I sometimes... bet it's a lot in real life. <laughs> it is. Because sometimes I'm like, who let me do this? Like... <laughs> Someone like I, I am not this responsible. Maybe God. Yeah, but he should have thought that one through because I, <laughs> I can't remember where my keys are. So I have four kids and I have a really wide age gap. So I have a 15 year old, a 13 year old, and then it goes all the way down to in February, there'll be five and three. Mm. So right now it's four and two, mm-hmm. which is it's a party yeah. constantly. It's noisy at our house. Teenagers it's and toddlers. Te- exactly. That and sounds so, like a book. Right? That's <laughs> a, a devotional. A de- oh, oh, yeah. Yes. You should write it. Like, because yes. we're going, going to football games, going to basketball games. My husband coaches. So then we're like his games, which my daughter cheers for the games that he's at. So at Aww. least we knock those out. That's a fun one. family activity, it is. though. They have a little handshake they do before. It's real cute. And then we have all of Ryder's games for all the sports he wants to play because he's just a party in a box. And so the little ones are drugged to all those. And then, you know, the big kids have to change diapers. And well, I will say Ryder, we let him babysit one time. But my toddler was in bed at six (laughs) o'clock naked (laughs) with a backwards diaper. (laughs) So, well, it happens. Ryder doesn't babysit. And they all have our names, right? (laughs) Cute, cool, our names. Raleigh, Ryder, Rocky, and Ranger. Fun. But anyway, yeah, I'm from Texas and I have a ministry called No Strings Attached. And so we go into the local strip clubs and we take gifts to the girls and we tell them that God loves them and sees them right where they're at that you can't sin too dirty, be gone too long, or go too far from his love, that there's nothing that they can do to separate them for his immense love for them, that he is in relentless pursuit towards them so much that he sent crazy ladies from Tulsa to go tell them that. And we build relationships outside of the clubs as well with coffee dates or in the same building, we had a baby shower for one of the girls. And that's Mm -hmm. a whole story in itself, Mm -hmm. which makes me love my church because she was a lesbian stripper that got pregnant on a one night stand mm. and completely just like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. And, and I was like, we'll throw you a baby shower. And so we got to throw her a baby shower. Now her baby, I think it's like four mm-hmm. and she's still one of my friends and I just love her. But um, awesome. anyway, so we go into the clubs and do that. Mm-hmm. I take a team. Some of the team just comes, they're not comfortable going to the clubs. And so they'll just come and prep the gifts and pray with us. And then part of the team will go into the clubs. I think that's when I fell in love with like who Jamie was as a Mm -hmm. person because she's always fun. She's a good time. She's a jokester. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the hearts of those women, it was all business. Mm -hmm. Like she's a different woman when she goes into that mode. She starts talking to them about 
Well, actually, she starts talking about who they are in Christ, but she has already built a relationship. Like they come looking for her. Yeah. And they know what she's about. Mm -hmm. And they come looking for her because nobody else comes to them with a gift without wanting something in return. And that is the coolest thing to see her in that element. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what gave you this passion to want to start this? So it's not any like amazing story. Like I wasn't rescued or (laughs) I didn't like whenever I met my husband now, we were on our first date and he's like, so uh, how uh this is how he talks. 100%. He does not sound like that. But that's how she does 100%. his voice every time. It's he like has, my Ken Von voice when yes. it like sounds Russian. Please do it. I love it. Babe. <laughs> babe. What, what's for dinner? Latonya. Latonya. He's originally from Jimmy the Bahamas. Jimmy sounds nothing like that, just so we're very clear. He has a very deep coach voice. <laughs> okay. And he's like, so uh, what got you? Uh, you could tell he was nervous. Like into, uh, into this ministry. <laughs> into strippers. <laughs> yes. And I was like. I was not a dancer. This is not part of my past. Um, this is your testimony. <laughs> yes, this is not my testimony. Like I went from high school, 17, straight to Bible college, straight to full-time ministry. Then fast forward a couple of years, ministers, pastors, that's all I knew. That's all my friends were, were ministers and Christians. And I didn't have a vocation outside the home. And so that was my whole community. And so whenever I would read the Bible, I would be conflicted with like the words of Jesus. I'm like, he sounds like a jerk sometimes. Like he sounds rude. He sounds harsh. And then he's doing things that I'm literally teaching my kids not to do. Mm. And so I had this gap that I needed to bridge. And who is this Jesus that is friends with sinners who Mm. he was having such a good time. They thought he was drunk. Like, who is this Jesus? Because this is not the Jesus that I personally have gotten to know and try to live my life where I preach all the time, bad company corrupts good morals, but yet Jesus is walking around with sinners as friends. And it was social upheaval. Like people were distraught about this. And so like, I don't have any friends who aren't not just living for God, but in ministry even. And so I was like, well, I need to get to know some. I'll go straight to the strip club. So I love it. Yeah. Just <laughs> go big. We're bypassing everybody. We're everybody. bypassing the warm, yeah. the warm Christians. Yeah. We're going straight to the club. We're going straight to the club. <laughs> I was actually uh, on Facebook and saw a friend that did it in Texas. And I was like, it just sparked something in me. I was like, I want to do that. Hmm. I want to do that. I want to do ministry that's like that. Like, I love preaching. I come alive. Like, I never feel more of myself than whenever I get to share the word, but I wanted to be able to be like that personal ministry, which Mm -hmm. is so much more challenging because it's messy. Segue into the messy table, right? right? Like it's very messy. It's not cut and dry. It's not black and white. Um, You know, you don't say, okay, who wants to get saved? And five people raise their hands and, oh, it's a win for that night. Like it's a, it's a lot of plowing. They've broken my hearts a million times. Um, and then we've seen the most beautiful fruit from it as well. And so that's why I started it and gathered a couple of friends that I thought would be wild enough with me to go mm-hmm. do it. And we did it. And I mean, it's been nine years now. Mm-hmm. So sounds like a lot of other people started to join you. Yeah, we have a great team. Great team. One thing I think is so good to note 
we are just all so broken and lost without Jesus. Yes. And so even though our testimonies are so different and some of us might have a little more of a put together look or a little more wild and messy and crazy past. Right. We all are in need of the same grace, like right. truly. Right. And so that with your starting point, like realizing right. that and knowing these women, like they're no different from me. Right. It's huge. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like the responses that they'll give us are always different and everywhere on the spectrum, but it's mostly sprinkled with shame, you know, mm-hmm. and we tell them all the time, hey, I need this thing. Because one of their big questions is, do you think what I do is a sin? You know, and <clears throat> of course, mm-hmm. of course, you know, I love them enough to tell them that. But then also I tell them, but I sin too. And yeah. we need the same amount of the blood of Jesus. Like your sin needs the same amount that mine does. Like exactly. it's no different. And who knows where I would be if I had grown up Exactly. Like they did at two years old, three years old, watching my mom turn tricks just to put food on the table or abuse. Yeah, absolutely. Like the abuse is rampant. And so like I, you know, have so much compassion for that because, you know, I mean, my childhood wasn't perfect, but my goodness, I didn't have to grow up seeing things like that where your whole concept of what healthy relationships Mm -hmm. are. Yeah. What normal is. And I love that you said that Jesus I mean, he did. He stepped into that nuance, that gray. It wasn't always black and white right. and was a friend of sinners. But yet he also didn't lead them that way, right? right? He lovingly brought them to himself and just empowered them to be who God had created them to be right. and to not stay stuck in that shame. So right. I love it. Okay, well, tell us more about your backstory and kind of when life has been messy for you, but still you've just really experienced God's Yeah, so like I said, I went straight from high school right into Bible college, right from Bible college straight to ministry. And then from there I got married, um, which I thought was old back then, but now I'm realizing wasn't old. Like, oh, I think dear. I was 25, but I thought like, <laughs> like, oh, I'm just going to be an old That's maid. growing up in ministry schools. Like yeah. at ORU, literally, it's like you have a ring, ring by spring, spring honeymoon yeah. in June. Yeah. And I too graduated ORU um, and didn't get my ring until afterwards. Yeah. And we're, we're surviving. You were yeah. so old. <laughs> we're, yeah, I was very old. I yeah. was 23 when I got right. married. But also culturally, the age of like, marriage over the past, of course, thousands of years, but hundreds, I mean, has really gotten later right. and later. Instead mm-hmm. of 14, it's mm-hmm. now a little bit older. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I got married. And then once I was married, I realized that we had completely different moral compasses. And because of that, it created a highly volatile conflicted marriage. And, um, and so coming from a ministry background, I had written a book that was a best-selling book. Like, I mean, I was full-fledged and speaking all over and just realized like, oh God, like I can't just up and stop this. Like, and I felt kind of powerless at that point, but was in complete, um, turmoil at home. And so long story short, years of counseling, but in my head, divorce is not an option. 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 And uh, after years of counseling, multiple counselors finally realized that divorce was not an option until it was the only option. And so uh, part of my story is we were very, very wealthy, had a lot of money. Every other month was a trip to Europe. And in between those trips was a Disney cruise, like nicest house, best cars, plenty of extra income to live from what other people's perspectives would be very successful. And on the outside looking in, you know, most people say from a world standpoint, like I had it all, Mm -hmm. you know, a stay at home mom, but could preach and have that outlet 
like I said, didn't even blink at financial things. We just had plenty of monetary wealth. And so from the outside looking in, it was like, she has it all together. But on the inside, it was a nightmare. Um, Mm -hmm. So after 11 years, I chose to go ahead and file for divorce. And there's obviously a lot more details that I'm leaving out and that I've chosen to keep private, not share on this platform, just because I don't think it would be beneficial to my children. And I have Mm -hmm. to keep them as my first priority. Um, There's not a lot of um, communication with that person. I don't know where they're at on their journey now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just say to people who find themselves in this spot, I really encourage people to find godly counseling because it it saved my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I came to a point where I was willing to trade everything that I had that seemed like something that was valuable to people just to have peace and to not live in a highly volatile environment. And I hate to like oversay it. I'm not an advocate for divorce, but I'm also not an advocate for living in a highly volatile environment for 11 years either, especially when kids are involved. But I will say that, you know, at that point, you're faced with, I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom. You know, I'd only known ministry. I had zero skills outside of that, you know, and I didn't know if I would have to move in with my dad. Would I have to like, would mm-hmm. I be, you know, living yeah. in a dumpster somewhere? Like I That's didn't tough. know, you know, but whenever I went through all that, I can speak through all the fear, through all the anxiety. And I'm not naturally an anxious person, but like there were times I'd be driving because things got so crazy that I wouldn't even remember where my house was. And I'm like, where, I don't know which road to take because my brain was so in trauma. I couldn't remember like in Tulsa where the streets are 61st, 71st, 81st, could not remember where my house was. Mm. And I would say naturally, I'm just a naturally confident person. I'm strong. I'm a leader. I mean, my goodness, in fifth grade, (laughs) I made it where girls could do the crosswalk in Luling, Texas, because only boys could. And I went and I got a petition. I mean, (laughs) like, I'm not, I'm not a timid or shy or person, but I was in such a place of trauma. Like I became very rigid. I came to a place where I, I didn't know up from down, left from right. Like the trauma was so intense and so Mm -hmm. in my face at that point, but I just knew that I had to pursue peace. And whenever I did, I, can promise you that God showed up for me Mm. every single time. I mean, I remember going to bed weeping with my Bible Mm. and a glass of wine. (laughs) And like, I had no idea, no idea what the next day would bring. I had no idea what, um, it, it felt like I was going up against a giant is what it felt like. And that had it not been honestly for my community, there's no way I would have made it. Like God really showed up with people. And I mean, you know how when you go through some intense stuff, you look back and you see all these miracles and then normal everyday life, you're like, where are those miracles? Like, mm-hmm. but in those times, I mean, there were like miracles. Like someone would say, like I had friends from Texas coming up, those good old Texas people. I had, <laughs> oh, dear. I had friends coming from Texas because I had a big estate that I had to move out all by myself with a, I think they were four and six at the time. No idea what to do. Like no idea. And we're talking guest house, our house, garage is full of like no idea what to do. Where mm-hmm. am I going to go? I have no income. 
And, you know, at that, I mean, the court system, it takes a minute for them to say, okay, you know, here you have to give this much. Well, even then, you know, it's not like it's enough to just go move into a house. Like you can't just buy a house, you know? And so it was quite traumatic, but I had where friends would say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I can come Monday to Thursday. I'm like, okay. And, uh, then another friend would say, Hey, they don't even know each other. I can come up Thursday night to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, like literally there was a full month where I was never alone and just from people showing up for me, not to mention my church and them providing meals and, uh, helping with tuition until all that got settled. And just God showed up in big, big ways. And whenever I would doubt something or doubt my choices, again, he would come in and he would just intervene. Mm-hmm. And I always say, like, I don't miss those times. I don't ever want to go back to something so traumatic. But in those times is when he was so close, which, I mean, the word tells us. So I don't know why it's surprising that he's close to the brokenhearted. But he was so close. It was like I could smell his breath. Like he was so close. Like if I open my eyes right now, he's going to be right here. His presence was that real and that powerful for me in those times. Now, not all throughout the day, but moments where I just would be before him like, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. He showed up big Mm -hmm. every time. Whenever you grow up in the church, there's always these things that are like, God forgives. But girl, that one, he might need to be on the cross twice for that one. Like, you know, there's these things that you're just like, oh my gosh, you were raised in church and this happened. What intrigued me the most was not just you were raised in church, but you are a woman of faith. You've written Christian books. Like you are in. And then you get divorced. How did that change you? And how did that change your ministry? Well, at that point, my ministry was my kids, right? Like, I mean, I had to realize the ultimate ministry was my kids. And so I stopped everything, obviously. I mean, my mental health, like emotionally, like, again, I said, I didn't even know where my house was, you know? And so at that point, with no strings, I had asked some of the girls in our leadership, like, hey, you just, you're going to have to take it for a few months, you know, and just keep it going. And thankfully, I had an amazing team around me and the girls are still with me to stay. Like I put that on hold and uh, the other stuff I just gave to the Lord. Like, you know, God, I don't, obviously it's for you anyway. You know, ministry is not about me. It's about whatever you need done. And so just put it on hold and slowly over time, I think it took me about four years till I'd accept a preaching invitation again. Not to mention I had two more kids and another marriage, you know, and so, um, but it took me about four years before I'd preach again. And I'm still hesitant sometimes to like accept the invitations to go preach sometimes, not because I feel like unworthy or um, just because I, I want to make sure that whenever I am preaching, I want to be able to do it authentically from a place of complete healed restoration Mm -hmm. and with no strings. I mean, God's just been so faithful with that. I mean, again, it's not about me. So he for sure has taken that and shown through that with, I mean, we had one of our girls that came out of the club that graduated from Victory Bible College, you know, Mm -hmm. and complete life turnarounds, you know, so God's been really faithful with that. But it's also helped me reassess what the goals are and I do want to write again. Like I miss that. And I know that that's what I need to do. But, you know, 
writing's a whole nother, <laughs> it's a whole nother animal. So one day I'll write again. I love it. So you found yourself like a lot of women can, where great childhood, great family, right. you went to Bible college, you're passionate about ministry. I don't know exactly how you met your ex-husband, but you found yourself in a place that you never expected to be. Right. And again, I know you said that there's a lot of details that you're not going to share here, but just knowing that it was really hard and I'm sure you never, no little girl walks right. down the aisle. I guess you don't walk down the aisles, little girl. Yeah. No young woman walks down the aisle and thinks, oh, I hope to get divorced one day. Right. But yet here you were, newly divorced, feeling like your whole world had been flipped upside down, trying to put the pieces back together. It almost sounds like, I don't know, you were talking about kind of the wealthy side of things and the house and the trips and right. all of these different things. I don't know if this was kind of a refresher or restart button for you as a whole, like, who do I want to be or how much of that was connected to your ex-husband? Um, but I would love to hear, like, bridge the gap between where you went after that and how you met the man that you're married to now. Yeah. So I felt like I, and I'm, maybe I'm giving myself too many accolades here, but I felt like I had a pretty good view of all the wealth and stuff whenever we had it. Um because I mean, Bible college, I had to pray for money for toothpaste. So I like, was <laughs> like, okay, like I've been on both ends. But once all of that was over and, you know, just normal life started to happen, I remember just remembering who I was again, mm -hmm. because my boat was rocked all the time. You never knew what was going to happen that day or what story you were going to hear that happened. And when you have kids, consistency is good, right? And so because of that, I had become very rigid, very don't rock the boat whenever I was born to rock the boat, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a very carefree fly by the seat of my pants, you know, oh, let's make the best of this. Let's make it fun. Like, but I had lost all of that for the sake of if I can be super strict and straight, if I can do that, then at least it won't be rocking as much or whatever. And so um, I remember honestly just feeling free and remembering who I was again, um, I remember just the joy being restored. People would say, like, oh, my gosh, like, you look 20 years younger. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. And I feel it. You know, I feel it just because of getting out of that conflict and then coming into a place where my moral compass wasn't constantly being challenged. It was a place of freedom. And I, I say that with hesitancy because, again, it's like I'm not an advocate for divorce because there's a difference between normal marital conflict and then not normal. Mm -hmm. And I remember my best friend had come up from Texas. and uh, <laughs> She probably brought her soil. Right? Yeah, <laughs> probably. she did. And I remember her looking me in the eyes one day and she said, Jamie, this is not normal. This is not normal. Anyway, so then from there, whenever all of that processed, went through the divorce, got settled, just focused on my kids being healthy and at peace and joy being in our home. Uh, whenever we got to that place, then uh, my husband works at the place that my kids go to school and your he, husband now. Yes. So he works here. And so we started talking and I think I kind of made him ask me on a date because <laughs> he was a little hesitant, like, like he'd be flirty. And then I was like, are you, are you gonna ask me out or not? Like he was hesitant because she's captain of the welcoming. <laughs> no, he was hesitant because I'm a lot. <laughs> I am a lot. And he was just like, you know, flirty. But then I was like, I don't have time for just this back and forth stuff. Like, mm -hmm. and I'm like, 
Are you are you gonna ask me out or not? Because like, because <laughs> like I have I have a calendar. Who has like, time for this? <laughs> yeah, like I have a calendar. There's a line, buddy. And so uh, he asked me out. And funny story about our first date is so we go to Mondo's. It's this Italian place on Brookside in Tulsa, which is like a cute little area. And he is the most consistent person you'll ever meet. Very safe, which is exactly what I prayed for. Mm. And sometimes boring, though, because of it. But like, <laughs> like we're, but who needs him to be fun when I'm awesome? That's you know, right. when, there could not yeah. be more fun in your relationship. So he, he didn't know like, oh, to go to Mondo's, you probably should make a reservation. Right. And so he doesn't know. So we show up to Mondo's. They're like, it's a 40 minute wait. I have saved all my calories for this date. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to be the girl who gets a salad. I'm going to straight up get the lasagna. Yeah. Like, I'm going to for sure, you know, like yeah. I am not going to oh have a seat. No, I don't want a Caesar salad. I want pasta. And so we we show up. They say it's a 40 minute wait. And the lady's like, so do you want to put your name? I was like, nope, we'll go somewhere else. And he was like, you just made the decision. You just made the decision for us. And I was like, yep, absolutely. I can't wait 40 minutes. My spleen is eating my liver right now. Like I have got <laughs> to go. And so anyway, so that was our first date. And I was like, oh, I had told him, sorry, this is a little backstory. I had told him like, we have to keep it very secret because just everything in my life was being watched very intensely from everybody. And so um, I was like, I don't want you telling anybody. And plus I had to protect my kids. You know, I couldn't just be some wild lady dating all the time or whatever. And so my babysitter was in our house and he pulls up to get me. And the first thing she says is, oh, is that Coach Landers? And I was like, oh, stink. Like, are you kidding me? Can you please Well, then we quiet. go. Yeah. So then I did. I told her, I was like, you can't tell anybody. You can't say a word. And she's like, no, he's my favorite coach. And I was like, okay, that's great. But this stays <laughs> between us, you know? And so then we go to Mondo's. Well, Mondo's is busy. So we go down the street to a little Mexican restaurant. We're going to the Mexican restaurant. We sit down. It's a girl from my small group. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, who happened to do the makeup backstage where my husband works security? And she was like, hey, you guys. And I was like, are you kidding me? So it was the cat was out of the bag before we even started dating. Well, <laughs> it happens. You know, it happens. maybe you it's should. Tulsa. I mean, you, you could have got Tulsa Rose Long. That's literally yeah, in yeah. your car. Yeah. <laughs> Behind a tree. Because that is Tulsa. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so now we have two more kids. We have uh, Rocky and Ranger who are two and four, almost three and five. And so our house is always a party. I love two it. Two dogs, 12 chickens. Oh my goodness. Don't tell my HOA though. No. Don't tell them about Never. the chickens. Never. You know how this story is going. Someone from your HOA is going to be like listening exactly. in to yeah. this. It's okay. Other people in my neighborhood have secret chickens as well. Secret so we'll be fine. <laughs> so was this relationship completely different from your other one? A hundred percent. Like we were more aligned like with our values and with our moral compasses. Well, and that's an important question to bring up because I know yeah. people are listening thinking, okay, so you grew up with a great family. You went to Bible college. You're a strong believer. How did this happen? Is there some red flags that you could have seen ahead of time? Yeah. Do you think there were things that you could have seen ahead of time? Or do you think, I mean, also we live in a broken world. Life isn't perfect. Sometimes things come up. Sometimes right. people make decisions right. that don't line up with God's right. will. What would you say? Yeah, so... He came from what was the circles I was in at that point was a very respected family. 
but our engagement and meeting all went super, super fast. Mm -hmm. There was a term that now I know I didn't know back then, but love bombing was probably the biggest red flag looking back. You know, like the first night was said, I love you Mm. by him. I didn't say it back, but like, (laughs) obviously, because I'm so cold. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) She had to give it a little bit of time. Yeah, I think it was two days. I might have said thank you (laughs) the first time. My husband said, I love you. I might have said thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, another story. But yeah, so it was super quick and over the top type of behavior that Mm. I think looking back, which sounds silly, like, oh, but that's so sweet. Mm. But in retrospect, now I can see that maybe that could have shown some other tendencies that were beneath the love bombing. Okay. More manipulation maybe too, you know? Yeah. When I hear you talk about your story, you said something. Um, I began to remember who I was. And I think subconsciously that is what draws you to those ladies that you minister to because you want to consistently remind them who they are yes. and whose they are because there was a time that maybe you had just simply forgotten. Right. And that is where a lot of our biggest ministry comes from. It comes from our deepest pain. Um, now you're in a different state. You are married to the best man in the world. Coach Landers, I got your bag. <laughs> and I'm not saying that it's perfect right? because there isn't a perfect relationship. Right. But when you look back over the story, what is it that you've learned through this entire process that you want to share? So I think we said earlier, this isn't the story I would have written for myself, right? Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't have thought, man, one day I want to go through a divorce and I want to have kids in that marriage and I want to navigate them through that, you know, and then I want to have to tell my little kids when they ask where the older ones are gone every other weekend, I want to say, or why they're only there every other Christmas, because we always tell them, oh, they're at a friend's house, (laughs) because they're just too little right now to explain it. And so, you know, it's not the story I would have written for myself. However, you know, if anyone's going through something where they're like, this is not what I would have chosen. This is not these aren't the seeds I've sown, because I remember thinking that all the time, like, this is not what I've sown. These aren't the seeds I've sown. But your story isn't over. And, you know, I was talking about how I saw God just show up in miracles. Well, I remember before, right in the thick of it, I was going for a walk and uh, I would go for walks and run sometimes for hours just to get my heart rate down, which sounds silly, but it would lower my heart rate to go for a jog or to go for a walk. And so I was going for a walk in my neighborhood and there's this pond and it was, um, like September-ish, October-ish. And so the leaves were starting to fall. Like I remember thinking like, oh, now we have to go through winter because I am not a fan of winter. I am a spring, summer, all the way girl. I love the sunshine. Mm. I can sit outside with my chickens. We are needing (laughs) that. With my chickens. (laughs) Sunshine and vitamin D right now. Yes, exactly. So I remember looking at, man, we still have to go through winter. And I remember the Lord speaking a very solemn word to my heart. And he said, it's bad right now. It's going to get worse, but then it's going to be better than it ever could before. Mm. And I had no idea what that meant. At that point, again, I don't know what from down. So I just tell myself, you're just making this up, you know, put it on a shelf is what we say in Christianese. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just going to put it on a shelf. Mm. Well, then that same day, my best friend from Texas, same one calls me and she said, hey, I had a dream about you last night. And uh, she said, 
you're walking through this, like, it's like a glass hallway and there's fire all under you and around you. And she said, and I just sensed that the Lord was saying, it's bad right now. It's going to get worse, but then it's going to be better than it ever could before. And I was like, she ate the same pizza I ate last night, apparently. <laughs> like, she, this is just weird. And I just was like, I'm just going to put it on a shelf. Because you don't ever want to think like, oh, it's going to get worse. You no. know what I mean? Because right now I'm like, it can't get worse. <laughs> like, what else? Like, mm-hmm. it can't. And then it was that same weekend that uh, I was at a friend's house. Stuff's hitting the fan. I'm at a friend's house. And her husband's like, Jamie, I need to tell you something. And he said, in prayer, I just see these three plateaus. And he says, you're on one right now, and it's bad. The next one, it's going to be worse. (laughs) You're like, oh, gosh. I know, exactly. (laughs) And he said, but then that last one, it's going to be better than it ever could before. And I remember thinking, fine, Jesus. Like, I hear you now. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's do what we have to do to get to the place of where it's better than it ever could be before. Mm -hmm. And so for people who are just like, this isn't my story And this is what I tell, I have people, you know, call me, hey, can my friend call you? She's going through a hard time or, you know, and I always tell people is, listen, you got to push yourself and you got to push your kid's faces right into his garment. You just shove your face into him every day. And one day, one day the smoke will clear and you're going to be okay. But it's walking through sometimes the part where it's going to get worse, Mm -hmm. that if you're not careful you can forget that you're not alone and you're really not alone. Like, I mean, the Lord has been so faithful and looking back, like sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see, but then you look back and just like the story as cheesy as it is, the footprint story, Mm -hmm. I can look back and see he carried me. He carried me and he carried my kids at that point Mm -hmm. where I look back and I'm like, God, you were there the whole time in the thick of it. Whenever I'd forget to eat for three days, you were there. You were there and you were so faithful to me. And it may not be the story that I would have written, but he has a way of being the great orchestrator. And he has turned what could have been a horrible piece into a masterpiece. And he continues to do that through growth in me. And then now, I mean, I would say, you know, my kids have a lot of uh, hardships that Other kids, especially they go to a private school and there's not a lot of divorced parents. Mm. So they go through some hardships that other kids wouldn't have to. But I tell them this. I'm like, yeah, but you know the father in a way that other kids don't know is such an early age because they were forced to rely on their heavenly father for a time. And so although it may not be the story that I would have written Mm -hmm. now, I wouldn't rewrite it, Mm. if that makes sense. Although, yeah, I've, I've had some hard times or struggles, you can't tell me that Jesus isn't real. You Mm. can't tell me that he's not loving and faithful. Like I said, I I know the way his breath smells because he's been so close to me. Mm. And so I would not trade that for anything. Man, we were just talking before the recording about reading through the Bible. And when you read through the Bible, you realize like there's so many messed up situations. Right. But the one constant is God. And yeah. I don't mean that in a cheesy way. Like he right. truly is the overarching story of all of our stories. Like he's the only one that we can rely on. He's the rock. He's the steady. He's the constant. He's the faithful. That whenever things are super shaky, no matter what it is, whoever's listening, um, we all have things going on in our right. lives that, you know, we live in this broken world that are hard. And so just knowing that 
regardless for me, for you, for whoever's listening, like he is the one that we can stand on. And that's what I think I hear more than anything in your story, even though you didn't want this, even though you didn't want it for yourself or for your kids, even though there were some really hard things that you had to walk through, he was the immovable rock. Yeah, for sure. Like I think of the scripture about though I find myself in the pit of hell, Mm. you are there with me. Mm. And he lifts me up and out of the miry clay of the depths of the crap. Can I say crap here? Mm -hmm. Of the crap that you find yourself in, whether by choice or by not, like he is so faithful. Like he's always faithful to be there along. You know, I think of the Holy Spirit. I would always rely on like, you are my standby. Like I remember being in situations, even like having to go, I didn't have a lot of court or anything during the divorce, but I remember, I mean, I'm like, I know nothing. I've never been in a courthouse. Like I knew nothing. And I remember just saying, Holy Spirit, you're my standby. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not alone. You are standing by me right now. I am not alone. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, like when people go through hard situations, just to know that you're not alone, you're not. And being a divorced woman feels super, super, super alone. Like mm-hmm. things that now I like, it gets too cold this past week. Jim, will you will you go do my chicken chores? Like yeah. it's, it's just, I don't want to go. It's too cold and I don't want to fall yeah. in the ice. And or, oh, a light came on in my car. What do I do? You know, just being a divorced woman, you feel super alone. And then mm-hmm. being a strong woman. I'm not asking for help. (laughs) Like, I'm not asking, oh, let me text the church and see if they'll come help me with the oil. No, I'm not asking for help. And so it it does feel super alone. But in that as well, you're like, man, God has given me so much more ability than I realized. And it's empowering at the same time Mm -hmm. to realize, like, it may feel alone. It may look like I'm alone, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not alone. And looking back, I'm like, man, he showed up. It's good. So many times, so many times. Like one time I had my washer. No, it wasn't the washer. It was it. It was a rainstorm and this house had a basement in it and it flooded the basement mm. where all of my stuff for my whole big house was put, flooded the basement. And I'm like, Ugh. and we're talking like it could fill a five bedroom house was in this basement, just totes and totes and totes and totes. What do you do? Well, one at a time, you take them up. Mm. And he was there with me every little step, creaky little wooden steps, (laughs) taking those totes up and just finding joy in it and figuring out like, you know what? Like I wasn't alone in that. Like Mm -hmm. he helped me. But in those circumstances, though, you do like it's like this overwhelming like, oh, my God, (laughs) like what am I going to do? Like, you know, or now I'd be like. Babe, you're gonna have to do something about that basement. <laughs> you gotta do something about that. I know. You're gonna have to fix that because that's dirty. I'm telling you. But what? the thing is, I don't, you probably know the statistic better than I do, but there are a ton of divorced women in the church. And yeah. I know that often I hate it, but there can be the shame and stigma that can come yeah, with it. For sure. And yet, God, yeah, God loves each of those women and right. loves you and whoever's listening that is maybe in the same fire so much. Right. And just has such a deep care and love for you. And so I love hearing you say that you just felt his presence. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause there's a, a temptation to feel less than, and I don't know if I ever felt less than, but I could feel it off other people, Mm. you know, even in like pickup lines to like get my kids or donuts with dads. 
and you're like, oh, we're skipping that day, kids. <laughs> we're going to the park. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, there was a, a, a temptation to feel less than or to be focused on other people's perceptions of she's less than. But um, that, too, is where I'm like, OK, if I'm going to force them to find their identity, if I'm going to force my kids to find their identity in who their heavenly father is, then I have to force myself to find my identity in Jesus as well. Yeah. And so it was a redefining of, no, I'm not a divorced woman. I'm a mom. Mm. I'm a mom. And, you know, people and a would, child of God. Uh, yeah, a child of God. And people would say broken home or broken family. I'm like, there ain't nothing broken about this. Love we that. are whole. We are whole. And it may not look like other people's families, but we are whole and we are fine just the way we are because mm. we're not alone. And he is your heavenly father. And he is the lover of my soul. And it's just, it was like bringing those heavenly realities into earth. Like, no, I'm not less than. And so help me if someone tried to tell me I was. Like, <laughs> so help me. Because I'm from Texas. I'm from no, Texas. <laughs> I love hearing your story and every single story that ends up on the messy table. Because as we were talking about reading the Bible, the Bible is a set of stories that tells us about a broken world needing a good God to save them and to remind them that he never leaves them or forsakes them. Right. And here we are today, 2024, and we are sharing stories of people that are broken, that make mistakes, that are in the need of a good, good God to save them. And the sentiment has always been the same. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And all things work for the good of those that love the Lord. Right. Never once have we had someone that we've been able to talk to or hear their story and they've been through a messy time with God. Have they mentioned, oh, wish that never happened. Right. Sure hate that I didn't. No, they always come out on the other side. Yeah. Losing parents, right. losing marriage, losing hope losing a spouse, losing a family member. At the end, all things work for the good of those that love the Lord when you go through it with Him. Right. And it's been amazing to see you and hear you say, I'm going through this with God. My children are pressing into the garment with God. And on the other end, all we see is the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. All we see is all of it working out for your good. And it is just an inspiration mm -hmm. that I get to do life with you. No, oh, I'm being serious. See, I've opened up the door and let you in. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. It's warm in here. It's warm and fuzzy now. It's warm and fuzzy now. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a huge reminder that God is so much bigger. And yes. sometimes we can often think that our circumstances are bigger than God. Like, right. I know you're God. I know you're awesome. I know you created us, but I or someone for me really messed up this whole situation. And right. so now I just have to live with it. Right. And really, God is so much bigger right. and he can do a redeeming, healing, restorative work. And right. that's the main thing that I hear from your story. So right. do you have any resources that have helped you throughout the years, whether it's a book or a podcast or just something that you love right now that you want to share? Uh, yeah, so there's two Lisa Turkhurst books. One is Uninvited, and then the other one is, Latanya, what was the name? Sorry. It is Good, good Boundaries and, and Goodbyes. Uh, what would be a phenomenal resource for anyone. Mm -hmm. Her it's story amazing. is stinking amazing. Yeah. And uh, so those two for sure. And then as silly as it sounds, I think the atmosphere, you know, we've heard, all heard like, 
don't be the thermometer, be the thermostat, but just in your home, little things like I remember just having Bethel kids video of worship just on the TV constantly just to help the atmosphere whenever it would feel stressful or whatever. I just remember that. So I would say surround yourself like Bethel kids worship is excellent just for kids. Like if you're walking through something hard with kids, they're cute videos. They're old now, but I would just put them on the other day. They're, they don't even look cheesy yet. Like I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know how like whenever you something over the years, you're like, that's kind of cheesy, mm-hmm. but just a great for kids atmosphere changer. Mm-hmm. So listen, the other day I was just about to lose my mind, feeling stressed, just like turn on YouTube on the TV and crank up some worship music yeah. while I made breakfast. And I do feel like it changed. It does. The atmosphere of our It home. confuses the enemy. It does. Like confuses that. the enemy. That's good. <laughs> Jamie, even though you cut me in line at Easter. <laughs> She's never forgiven. It's a thing. I've forgiven. Listen, Jesus not forgotten. says to forgive. <laughs> I forgive. She was my 70 times 71. And so, wow. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I am so honored that, like I said before, I get to know you. I get to walk beside you in life. I get to watch you raise those amazing children we love Jimmy. We love, love, love Jimmy. Um, and because we love Jimmy, we love you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but listen, it's just nobody <laughs> told me. Everybody loves Jimmy. Everybody loves Jimmy. Like literally everybody loves Jimmy. Um, but in all seriousness, your story is amazing. Your story is powerful. And I'm honored that you were comfortable enough to share it here. Mm. I hope you know that your story is not just your story. Your story is what is going to change the hearts of women that are in pain, that are confused. You are healing hearts. You are pushing women to the garment of Jesus. And you're doing it just by how you're showing up. Mm. I love you. And I want to know what is your one word? that you want to share with women that might be in the same situation? My one word is trust. I just want women to know that even if you feel that there's not one person around you that is trustworthy, that you can trust him, that he has your best interests at his heart, that he hasn't forgotten about you, that there's still good chapters of your story to be written, and that you can trust him with that. And so push into the garment, push into the garment so that you can hear his voice clearly so that you can know him in a newer and bigger way because you can trust him. And sometimes when it feels like no one else is to be trusted and you feel like no one has your best interest at mind and you feel like you're in this all alone, that that he can be trusted, that he can be. So good. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. Can we be friends now too? Yes. Okay. Hundred ah! percent. Hundred percent. Can we be friends? And we started now with a hug. I just want to say. Mm-hmm. She just pushed through that barrier. She didn't see the glass. I would like to say on record that Latanya's story is not historically accurate. <laughs> Listen, I uh, love to be right so much that I would go find video footage like that. <laughs> like. I like probably around March or April of 2016. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'll look through the I'll look through the profile. <laughs> yeah, don't even worry about it. All right, guys. Well, all of the resources mentioned are linked in the conversation notes. Don't forget to connect with us on Instagram at the Messy Table Podcast. And you can subscribe for free however you like to stream, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. And as you head back into your week, don't forget. 
that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.